moving forward today, uh, we, Pastor Kyle spoke last week uh, starting a series called uh, Neighboring. So um, how to neighbor is something that our series that we're pushing forward right now is, is last week he spoke about the Good Samaritan. And in the story of the Good Samaritan was a, a man who was hurt and injured, and people just kept walking by, seeing this man hurt and injured on the side of the road, be- bleeding and beaten, and, and nobody was stopping to help him. And um, in neighboring, Pastor Kyle spoke about one of the things that the Bible says in the Old Testament and in, when it comes to the commandments, and even in the New Testament, is that loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor go hand in hand. They're commandments, they're things that God tells you, uh, that are super important in order to keep on discipling and to keep on furthering the kingdom. Those are super important things that I find the answer is sometimes easy. Like if I'm you know, driving in traffic and I get really upset at somebody, I'm like, all right, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. Okay, check, I got that done. Or a client comes in and they're just something different and they're just pushing your last good nerve and they've had a bad day, so now they're making you have a bad day. And so then it goes from, all right, Love the Lord and love my neighbor. So you can plug that into that. Or even if you're stressed out about something in school, or if you're stressed out about something and that you're personally driving for and, and going for and goal setting in your life, if you're stressed out, you want to put God first and love your neighbor. They're, su- they're super simple, and the two go together like Pastor was saying. So Pastor talked about engaging with our neighbor. Today I want to talk about engaging with ourself. A lot of times, we want to go ahead and feed somebody else and give somebody else love, care, and compassion, but what happens inside of us is we don't even have enough inside of us to give to anybody else. So spiritually, we are, if we were a gas tank or we're looking at our car, the, the, the light comes on and it says, bing, 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 you're on E. You need to refill because you're going to run out sooner or later. So when we want to love God and love our neighbor, we don't even have the capacity to do it ourselves. We have to look for, we have to look inward and see what God's trying to teach us in the word and where he's trying to take us personally and um, in our personal path and our journey that we're going on and spiritually. So um, I was a prisoner for a long time in the things that were happening in my life. This is my third time speaking here at Fathom and the first time I spoke about my testimony and a lot of the things that I personally have gone through, my struggles, my hardships. How many of you guys have struggles and hardships that go on in your life? I know I'm the first person that's not standing here trying to tell you what to do and not trying to give you a list of rules or things that are going to uh, make you better. But I'm here to inspire you and push you as a brother in Christ to keep on stretching forward to find what God has for you and to, and to, and to love on you when you can't love yourself and for you to love on me when when I can't love myself. And my testimony spoke a lot about that. And I was a prisoner for a long time in addiction and brokenness and fear, anxiety, and stress. And God came in my life and he took all of that away. He didn't make it, he didn't make it, he didn't fix it all because I'm still Lee, but he helped uh, make the the journey better. So uh, one of the things about embracing, from engaging and now embracing is that we have to know that um, we once were prisoners, but now we're set free. So I don't know about you. Hopefully not too many of you have been in prison, but it's not cool. Or who's been locked up, it's not cool. You have no freedom, and you do not know freedom until you've been locked up. You don't know how it feels to be set free until you were held bondage. 
So one of the things I want to go into today is looking into that and seeing what God has for us in the Word um, in order to propel us and push us forward in in the story I'll be sharing with you. You know, there's a difference between happiness and joy. You know, this makes me happy. (laughs) Patrick rides with me almost every Sunday to get this because when I come in, I'm not too happy. You know, the praise team comes in at around 8.15 in the morning. Jason's here by Eight, the, the media and tech team's up there getting all the lights ready and fixing all the buzzes that are going on and noises and stuff like that so that we can have an amazing experience in church. But the thing about, you know, coming in in the morning, I, I have to have this. It makes me happy. But it, and, and then whenever I'm, you know, Anna was with me yesterday and we're, we just bought a home and we closed on Monday, which was phenomenal. It's my first home I've ever had. So I'm freaking out. It's kind of like having a baby, I can imagine, and like wanting to give them like, oh, they just had their first fever. They just coughed. Oh, my gosh, what's happening? Or, oh, there they go walking. Let me go chase them. You know, I, I see everything going on in the house, and, 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 and I'm, a, I'm ready to, to decorate it and furnish it, um, but I'm still in the learning process of how that's going to work. Um, you know, I, I, there's certain things that happen, like yesterday when we were driving down the road, that I, I, was, just, I was just angry. I wasn't, I wasn't the, the most joyful person. Um, there's things that make me happy, and I had you know, a double cheeser in my lap, and I was driving, I was dancing, because I finally got food in my system, and that made me happy. But again, this morning, I wasn't happy again, because I was hungry again. I needed something that was going to make me happy. You know, um, This is the happy juice, and I like food. And you guys know I like food, because I talk about it a lot whenever I'm up here. But that stuff... Happiness and joy are two different things. The word enjoy and the word joy goes into the word enjoy. They're from the same thing. And God wants you to enjoy your life. He doesn't want you to be stressed out all the time. And it's hard as an adult to find true joy. It's very hard because we're in a society that tells us that we have to get, you know, straight A's. We have to make the dean's list. You know, we have to be, you know, the number one employee at work. Or if you don't have a house, or if you don't have the nicest cars, or you don't have the newest iPhone, or you're not doing the next best thing, then you, you measure yourself to the wrong system. And the qualification of where greatness is supposed to be is a little mis, misjudged and mis, misconstrued, in a sense, uh, when it comes to what God wants for us. But there is a difference between joy and happiness. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I know in my past and what I've gone through and the times that I've been at my lowest, I felt like my bones were literally, literally dry. I felt that spiritually in times of the scriptures talking about is that joy is good medicine, but the opposite of joy would be sadness. The opposite of joy would be death. The opposite would be hell. It would be everything, an antonym to everything that joy is, and it really drives you up. You know, when I was looking through Google last night of what joy, a joyful person's attributes, like what does it contribute to your life? And it said a joyful person has a significant amount less of having a heart attack, a significant lower cholesterol level. They don't have bitterness in their life that where 85% of all of the sicknesses come from not being a joyful person. About 85 of them can be directly linked to unhappiness. You know, um, weight management, you know, stress, 
depression, all that stuff comes from somebody who's not a joyful person. And that happens, you know. We're not perfect, and, and an enemy wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy and attack you, and he wants to take you down. But, you know, we will only find happiness that will only sustain us for a long enough time. But joy is, is something that only God can give you, and that's something that, you know, the, the Bible speaks about, you know. Um, if we look in the Scripture at Galatians 5, 23, we're going to have Jason pull that up on the big screen. But the Bible says, and this is in the New Testament, says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Such thing there is no law. I will be the first to admit to you guys that I have, just like this morning, I didn't wake up super happy, but, you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, when we were talking about neighboring well last week and how we love the Lord our God and love our neighbor, and those are commandments given from God, this came to us when the Holy Spirit was introduced in the New Testament. So the Holy Spirit was left after Christ was here as our best friend and as our guide and as our little, you know, Jiminy Cricket or our little guy on our shoulder that helps us and encourages and guides us. But God is so much more than that. But that's what he's here for. And in the scripture, it's saying the fruit of the Spirit is love, which we spoke about last week. And then the second one, joy, is where I kind of have to keep working on every single day in order to be a better person and to live life fully into where I need to live. Um, so being in accordance with the Holy Spirit is what being a Christian is all about. You know, we cannot, you know, we, we're here and we, we, we love being here and, and worshiping, but the Holy Spirit is, is going to be your best friend. He's going to be there for you no matter what you're going to go through. He's going to help bring all of these fruits of the Spirit and with the fruits of the Spirit were introduced, um, they are basically nine attributes of a person, um, how our relationship with the Holy Spirit is going to work. So as I go into the story today, I'm going to go ahead and read out of um, the Old Testament, but um, I don't want to forget this passage because just like it, I struggle with this, and if I'm, you know, I'm not perfect, but if there's anybody else that can you know, testify that this is something that they can work on in their life that's going to help push them forward and help them have a better relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit, then I, I really challenge you to look into this today. So we're going to pull up in the big screen right now um, a story of um, a man. And, um, you know, three things that we can take away from this man's story today. And um, hopefully we won't want to take up too much time, but want you also see something that really has been in my heart and it stuck out to me. And it's, a, it's this man named Joseph. And I don't know if you ever heard of the story about Joseph um, in Genesis, but Joseph was the son of Jacob, um, this, the, this, um, Israel, which his, his name was changed to. Um, and, and, and Joseph was his youngest son. Um, one of the first things I want you to take away from the story, and I'll, I'm going to go ahead and just put it out there so there's nothing that's going to be surprising, but it's knowing what, that God has a plan for you. You know, um, I think that's one of the most important things is, is, is finding your purpose, and uh, sometimes that can take a while, but if you're current, if you're consistently trying to do the next thing uh, when it comes to what God wants you to do spiritually, you're going you're gonna to find that purpose, and it's going to happen. It's going to be embedded in your heart. Um, as I start with the reading of Joseph, we can pull that up. 
Um, it's going to be in Genesis 37. And I'm just going to start off with a few of uh, the, the beginning. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ordinate robe for him. Or an ornate robe for him, excuse me. When his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheave rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. You know, Joseph had a calling on his life. Joseph knew from the beginning that he had a plan and that God had a purpose for his life. You know, Joseph was 17 years old when he was out in the fields. His brothers were doing all of the hard work. I would be pretty upset if I was the one always doing the dishes, making the bed, mowing the lawn, and my brother was just like supervisor of what I was doing. We joke around in our family that my brother is the favorite, and my mom is here today again because she's like my biggest fan, and she's at every time I speak, she's here. Um, But uh, we always joke around about favorites, and if you know in families, you know, your parents aren't supposed to have favorites, but they kind of favor somebody a little bit more. Uh, They do favorite things, so they do, like, you know, she does good things for me, she does favorite things for him, but, um, like, buy some new stuff and goes, no, I'm just kidding, but she's here to, to support me today, so we really don't have favorites, but if you could think about somebody that your family, in your family that you know that they're just like favorite and they're destined and they're the superstar and they're the ones singing on stage all the time and they're the ones playing, you know, they're the ones speaking at whatever engagement and you're just sitting there working at McDonald's and you're like, okay, when is this going to happen, you know? Um, but this is kind of what's happening in Joseph's life. It's showing a, a young man that his, he was his father's favorite. His dad bought him the new, well, made him in literal days now it'd be like going out and buying him something from, you know, the town center that was really nice or something. Um, but this is what his father was doing him. He was doing it because he was blessing him. He was almost, he, you know, if you want to go ahead and read into it, he was like, he was almost like his, his dad was old, so it was almost like his grandpa. So if you could think of, too, if you're a grandparent here, how you spoil your, you know, your grandkids more than you would spoil your children. This is kind of what's happening right now. And, um, and, and as Joseph is not only favored, he's, um, his father and his, uh, has put him to supervise, and then he goes running down to his brothers and saying, oh, by the way, like, because he's a young kid and he doesn't know much at that point, he's like, I had this dream and I want to share it with you. Well, in the beginning it said they hated him because he was a favorite. Then they said they hated him even more because he had this dream. And in the dream, they said, he basically said, there's two dreams, and he, the second dream, again, if you want to read more, it, you can go into that and read it. But it's all about, like, you know, that everybody was going to bow down to him. Now, that's a pretty big prediction. That's a pretty big prediction to say that I'm going to rule over you and I'm going to reign over you. And my mom, my dad, everybody is going to bow down to me. That's huge. And his brothers hated him. But one of the things that I've taken away from what the confidence in what Joseph had was that he was willing to call his purpose out. 
and to live in his purpose, even though it was unpopular with his family. You know, um, as the story keeps going, his brothers hated him so much that they, they conspired to kill him. So as they were in the fields, they found a pit, and they grabbed Joseph and said, hey, we want to show you something, and boom, kicked him right down. He's in the pit. So now he's in the pit. They wanted him to die, but, you know, then they finally came to their senses whenever, you know, their minds calmed down, and they're like, you know what, let's just sell him. Let's sell him in his slavery. You know, we don't want to kill him, but let's go ahead and sell him. So a tribe of Ishmaelites are traveling through, and they're, they're trading stuff, and they're selling their stuff. They're like, oh, let's see if we can get a couple bucks for him. So they got about like $20, $30, whatever, for him. And then they sold him off to slavery, and it's like, all right, we're going to tell Dad that he, here's his robe. He got torn up. He's eaten. You know, there goes our problem. Poof, he's gone. So we don't ever have to deal with him again. Well, so the story goes on that Joseph is now traded into slavery. He goes from being a favorite to a slave, and then all of a sudden, he is still favored by God. In Genesis chapter 39, we can go ahead and pull that up. It's gonna, it, it starts going into a story about what the next step was, Joseph. You know, I told you guys last time that when we were moving and as I'm going and living in our purpose and living in that, that it takes time and it takes steps. And sometimes, you know, God has you go in one direction when you really want to go in another direction. And sometimes you're in a situation and you're praying like, God, get me out of this situation. But God's like, wait, wait, wait. I got something for you to learn right now in the situation that you're in. <clears throat> I, want, I want you to stay here so that you can learn that the next step that you're going to take, you're going you're gonna to be, be held in a higher position. And if you don't learn it in this step with, say, for instance, you know, this job, then you know what? You're going to go to the next job. You're going to have the same problem. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the rewind button and play, and you're going to have to go through it again. And I hope you learn it in this one. And then what happens if you don't learn in that situation, you're in the next situation, and then you're trying to learn. And I believe God is trying to teach you something when you're being tested. I think that with testing, that it comes perseverance, and the Bible speaks about that. Um, you know, we have to go through certain things. Sometimes we don't know why, but because of the, the situations that we're put in, we appreciate the next one more, and it takes steps to get to where you're going. It says, now Joseph had been taken down out of Egypt. Potiphar, an English, Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did. So Joseph wasn't jaded by his family trying to kill him. He wasn't jaded by him being sold into slavery, but he made the best of what was happening. Um, I want to bring up the second point in this journey, and the next step is going to be, I have it written down, but I'd rather look at it. Don't give up. You know, you don't want to give up whenever things happen. And you don't want to give up if, you know, you can't throw in the towel and say, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, give up. And as, you know, human nature, we don't give up. We keep on pushing through each situation that we go through. But, you know, when, when bad things happen to us, we have to look at the story of Joseph and, you know, know what God, he knew what God's plan was, and he, and he didn't give up. Because the next part of the story 
says that everything, it said five times in Genesis chapter 30, 39, that God was with him. He was in Potiphar's house, but God was with him. He was sold into slavery, but God was with him. And then it said that he was favored. So everything he touched, he was blessed, and everything he was doing, he kept doing the right thing every single day, and he stayed consistent, he stayed persistent, and he never gave up. And as he's going in, as he's in Potiphar's house, and he's working for Potiphar, who was Pharaoh's head guard, um, Potiphar's wife, the second turn of events that happened to him, saw him and saw how amazing he was, and she would try to seduce him. Over and over and over and over, she tried to seduce him, and Joseph said, nope, 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 I will not. I'm going to honor the head of the house, and I am not going to do this. So then she turned shady, and she went and lied on him and told Potiphar that, you know, he tried to seduce me, turned the tables on him, flipped the script, and then now Potiphar throws him in jail. So he goes from you know, being in the fields, being thrown in a pit, being sold to slavery, being from slavery, finally being elevated, but then two steps back had to be taken in order for him to learn the next step of the journey and into trusting God and what God had for him, and he, now he's in prison. You know, um, God's plan for you is... Is, 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 is better than you can ever think. You know, when I try to do things on my own, when I was trying to live life the way that I was living life, um, when it came to, you know, personal, financial, spiritual, I kept, I, I kept on going repeat and repeat, and that's, you know, in my heart, that is what keeps on, you know, going in my mind as I was praying, and, and, and I don't, I don't want to do that anymore, you know? So I never give up, but I also know that God is for me. And in this story... Um, as he's in prison, as I spoke in the beginning, is he was locked up. You know, a lot of times we can, um, even in our lives, create issues and we can build a wall and we can start one wall and then we're like, all right, cool. Um, I'm going to try to get out this situation and then you build up another wall. And then now you have two walls and then you get another situation, you have three and then you have four and then you're finally in your own personal prison and we don't know how to get out of it, whether it is you know, stress, fear, anxiety. Um, I've dealt with anxiety almost my whole life. I can remember when I was in sixth grade, it was 2.30 in the morning, I woke up and I was in a full blown out panic attack. You know, I, I didn't do anything to have that panic attack, it just happened. And um, in this situation, you know, um, I think it's been two and a half years now that I haven't had any panic attacks. And that was something that God had to deliver me from. But, you know, I had panic attacks from the sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. And then they went into anxiety. They went into fear. And they finally went into addiction where I was trying to self-medicate in order to get out of it. And I finally hit a point that, you know, I always prayed and asked God to get me out of the situation. Don't keep me here because I, I don't understand why you have me here. I don't get it. Can you, can you like take off like 10 minutes and just give me five minutes of anxiety, not 10? Can I have half of what's happening? Or can you, you know, um, maybe you can bring somebody in my life or maybe something big could happen. Like maybe I can just take, you know, this step and then, um, you know, that's the direction I would go. But God had a purpose for me the whole time. It's over 20 years of stress and anxiety that I had to deal with that finally God finished the work that in the, in the season that I was in, where he wanted me to learn, and he elevated me. 
and he, I haven't had, had any of those anxieties in about two and a half years. I mean, sometimes when I'm traveling, I'll get them because I'm in an airplane for like six hours, and I'm like, this is just stressing me out. But, you know, screaming kids, hot, AC doesn't turn on, I need water, dehydrate it. But that's, that's just life. But, you know, I'm finding through each situation that, you know, these temporary things that make me happy, they're not going to work, and they're not going to suffice. You know, and through the 20 years of growing through that process, you know, I, I knew in the beginning I had a purpose, that God had a purpose for me. Um, when uh, I s- share this before, but before Fathom was here, this was an old church called Daystar, and I was probably, probably 12 years old, Mom, and there was a drum set over here in the corner, and that was the first time I ever touched a drum set. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just making noise and making sound. And then, you know, 20 years later, God took me step by step by step by step by step by step. And now I'm, you know, playing all the time. You know, he has a purpose and he has a plan for you. You know, a lot of times, again, we want to get out of the situation. We're panicking. We want air. We want a break to happen financially. We want a break to happen spiritually. We want a break to happen emotionally. But from the story of Joseph... You know, don't give up. You know, no, no God's plan for you. Don't give up. And last but not least, we're going to pull the third one up. And that's all about, we talked about neighboring well is engaging. And then the final part of this is embracing today. Um, you know, in life, um, my, my father was born in Mexico. And you know, he moved to, to Chicago when you were 16 years old, Dad. So he got on, a, got on a bus, found out that he had work, got on a Greyhound, and he never left. He got naturalized in a year, did it the right way, and he worked really hard. My mom taught him English, and she taught him, in, in, and he taught her Spanish. And then now she doesn't know a lick of Spanish, but um, they interacted with each other, and they, and they, they learned, um, and they worked hard. You know, one of the things I saw growing up in my family, is that you have to keep pushing and you have to keep setting goals. I think that's a healthy thing. I really do think it's a healthy thing because everything that we do has to have a balance. It can't be too extreme. It can't be like, oh, just be lazy and be joyful and be happy. You know, when you do have bills to pay and you do have deadlines that are due and you do have, you know, kids and, and um, life that has, has to be taken care of, but I also think that it's important to help, you know, find out what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you in every situation. But embracing today, embracing the present, and being in every situation and living in it, um, trusting in God and knowing that he has you there for a reason is something that I wish, I, I wish that um, you can follow me every day and see that's what I'm going through every single day. You know, the temporary happiness, the stuff like that, you know, maybe, you know, getting a raise or a bonus or finally, you know, closing on a house like we did this week. Last week, this time, uh, I didn't know if I was going to be closing on a home on Monday. There was another complication. And I'm just so thankful Hannah's been patient with me because um, there's been times that I have not been the most, you know, enjoyable or happy person. But in each situation, she would look over at me and she would say, you know what, God's got this. And he has a plan and he has a purpose. And whatever happens, God's going to be in control and he has it. And, you know, embracing today is what it's all about. You know, 
The blessing isn't the destination. The blessing is the present. The blessing is, you know, the ride to work and, or, you know, not getting angry. And it's enjoying helping people in your job and showing people what Christ is like. It's taking a friend by the hand and, and, and letting them know that you're there for them and you love them and get, take them out for lunch when, or dinner when you can tell that they're down. Because what happens is, you know, with the fruit of the Spirit, we can bring those back up if you, if you can. Um, but, you know, it talks about love, joy, and peace. And, you know, I find, like I said, I was a prisoner, but I find true freedom in, in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit wants us to, you know, um, to learn about with the fruits of the Spirit. And on your own personal time, I challenge you to go ahead and keep praying and see what God wants to do in your life when it comes to the fruits of the Spirit. But, you know, I know what true freedom is. Uh, there's a song by a guy named Trent Corey that I played on repeat this morning, and God was speaking to my heart. And the song's chorus says, freedom is a life with a purpose to save. Freedom is changing the world you made. Freedom is knowing you, Jesus. Freedom is the cross and the empty grave. Freedom is no more fear, no more shame. Freedom is knowing you, Jesus. You know, that's what it's all about, guys. And the Holy Spirit really wants you to grasp that because he has true freedom in him. You know, from the life of Joseph, the story keeps going on. You can read it. But he had finally true freedom at the end of the story. It's a redemption story. It's an amazing story. And I hope you can read it. It's, between, it's in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 50. And let me know what you think about it. But there was true freedom in knowing who, Jesus, who knowing who Jesus is, and he can change your life, you know, today, right where you're at, you know, and I hope that embracing the present, embracing today is something that you practice and something that you push for, because I know a lot of, you know, God wants to give you, you know, joy. God wants to give you all of the fruits of this, and a constant relationship with the Holy Spirit is going to do that. You know, at Fathom Church, we love to disciple. We love to give to people, and, you know, if you are going to be a giver and you're going to be a disciple, then we have to not only love our neighbor, love God, but we have to start with ourselves.